Welcome to the Five Lives Podcast. And now, Dalila and Tony's story. Dalila and I have a band, just real quick. We have a band. We're both musicians. We play music for a living. She's a singer. Uh, I'm a drummer of 30 years. And um, we're going to give you our story, basically, uh, on what God has done for us and what God, uh, how we've changed our lives and and gave our lives to the Lord, and, and I know because I don't do this kind of thing, but <laughs> but I am, and, 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 and somebody stepped in. yeah, somebody stepped in him, and uh, he told me that it may impact one person. So I said, you know what? If I gotta spill my life story and, and just condense it really quick and in a short amount of time, and if it touches somebody. I'm going to take the chance, so... <laughs> okay, so I'll just tell you a little bit about me. So, um, my family's from Nicaragua. I wrote it down, so forgive me. I'm not, again, I'm not a professional speaker, um, but I thought this was the best way to keep, keep myself on track. Um, my family's from Nicaragua, both my mom and dad and their parents. Um, my mom and dad divorced. When I was two or three, um, when they split, uh, my mom pretty much split from my brother and I, and uh, we didn't hear from her at all until, I didn't hear from her or my brother until I was about 18. Um, My dad quickly met someone else and remarried. I was really young, so I didn't know that this woman wasn't my real mom until years later. Um, And this woman, who I thought was my real mom for years, was very, very abusive, like the kind of grotesque abuse that you see like and hear about on the news. It was really, really bad. To this day, it feels like I didn't. It, it didn't happen to me. I feel like I literally just watched it happen to somebody else. Um, um, during her and my dad's marriage, I don't recall my dad being around. Um, he was always working, and we were alone a lot with her. He was a salesman, so he would go out of town a lot. Um, but um, over the years, the abuse and the dysfunction just it just evolved um, as the years passed, and it got darker and darker. Eventually, I had an uncle that spoke up about the abuse, and before I knew it, um, my dad and her were divorced, and my brother and I were living with my grandparents, you know, along with my dad, which that was just crazy. Um, So during that time, my dad went through a lot the next couple of years while we were living with his parents. Um, He just had a ton of relationships with different people. He had his own struggles. Um, and then he finally settled down with wife number three. Um, and in the end, that didn't work out too well either. Um, and by, by that time, I was completely and officially totally messed up. Like, really, really messed up. Um, so wait, let's see here. Hold on, forgive me. Um, Are you living in New Orleans or in Nicaragua? Or- oh, I was in... Um, so I was... My dad and my mom had me here in Louisiana, and then um, my mom moved with me in Nicaragua, and I was there for like three years, because when I came back here, I couldn't speak English. So the weirdest thing is that... And now she can't speak Spanish. I can't Spanish. speak Spanish. So, my, so literally, when my dad married, um, who I thought was my real mom, um, I, didn't, I didn't know she was my real mom, but yeah, we lived here. And so what's, what's weird is, I'm, I'm going to get to this part of the story, but wait, let's see. Um... Okay, uh, stop. <laughs> okay, okay, so, um, so yeah, my dad went through a lot during the next couple of years, a lot of relationships, um, you know, his own struggles. He finally decided to settle down with wife number three, um, and in the end, that didn't work out, um, but by that time, I was completely messed up. Um, so, 
by this time, I had just so much fear and anxiety because the strange thing is, if you can imagine this, I was born into this, like, total dysfunctional world. I mean, like, literally really dark. I didn't know, like, you know how you have parents or people in your life that are just, you know, you wake up, your mom takes you out the crib, she kisses you, she hugs you, she feeds you, and, like, everything's normal. Well, I never knew that. Like, I never... It just didn't happen to me. So it was just, my life was literally like Twilight Zone. You know, it was just really crazy. Um, so um, so I, I, I never knew a different reality. So although, even though there were pockets of time during these years where I'd be with my grandmother or I'd be with uncles and cousins and even with you, Eleanor, you know, I was people, different people would come and pick me up because my dad was so going through so many things, they would pick me up and bring me over to their house for a couple weeks. But it literally, this is this is just the best way that I can describe it. Um, um, it's almost like when I was with them, I couldn't settle in to a good environment. Like, even though it was amazing, it's like all it was was just a break from my soul for like a week or two. But I didn't feel comfortable because I was always full of anxiety and fear where in my home. So it was just super, I just lived like that for a really long time. Um, so anyway, so, um, so yeah, so I was completely messed up at, at this time, um, you know, by then. Um, and as a teen, of course, you can imagine I began hanging with the wrong people. Um, lots of my teenage friends, they also came from broken homes full of dysfunction and abuse and poverty and drugs and just, just you can just imagine, just, you know, paint the picture in your mind. Um, and by this time, now I had a boyfriend that was seven years older than me. And of course, I just became the statistic and was pregnant by 17. I mean, why not, right? You know, that's just what happened. Um, and this life with him was very hard. Um, he had a serious addiction problem. And our relationship finally crumbled after years of a ton of on and off again turmoil. Um, and I found myself basically alone with my son, um, single. Then I jumped into another relationship. And then shortly after that, while I'm in this relationship, I get the message that my son's dad, who was just, you know, <laughs> not great for me, he passed away of a heroin overdose. So, like, I'm just like, oh, this is just keeps getting better and better. <laughs> just, you know. So... His, his drugs of choice were pills, and I say drugs because he loved pills, and now we know the whole opiate thing and the heroin, how there's that connection, but you didn't know it then. Um, so so um, on the night that he passed away, he passed away from heroin, but he did heroin that night because he probably couldn't get the pills that he wanted or whatever it was. So his life came to a really super tragic end. Um, you know, and I was in another relationship at the time, and of course that relationship was disintegrating. Um, so I found myself at a place where here I was, you know, um, at this point, life was literally as bad as it could get, and after um, my son's dad passed away, I ended that relationship that I was in that wasn't, I knew wasn't right. Um, and I decided that I needed a few more months of some pretty destructive behavior <laughs> just to make sure that I could get it all out of my system. You know, I really, I just, I don't know why I did that, but that's not I how just, she met me. I just went like, <laughs> I don't know. I just, you know, I, I just, I just went down just some really, I just, just went crazy for a, a little while, you know, but finally and thankfully I couldn't live like that anymore. I knew I needed to do better for my son and myself. 
So I began to hope. So hope in capital letters. That's what started this whole thing. You know, um, I just had hope and um, I ran into a childhood friend. Tony and I have been um, to grammar school together, first grade, second grade, all the way up to like eighth grade. And we had the same friends, and he teased me, and like, you know. Um, she was a little chubby girl. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I actually used to make her cry. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It takes a lot of man to do that. So, um, so I met, so, so I re-met him, kind of, you know, like I was uh, working out at, at my local gym, and um, by that time, I mean, before then, it was like, you know, I, I just, I would be in relationships and with guys and with girls, not with girls, but like, like a girlfriend that wanted to get into trouble, you know, I'd go get in trouble. I just, I didn't care about anything. I wasn't with girls. So I don't think that, um, but so we're, I'm in the gym and I see Tony and this is my attitude. I'm like, oh, I just had enough. And I'm just like, there's Tony Sarantini. He saw me. I have to tell him hi. You know, but he was kind of cute, and I was like, wait a minute, he's kind of cute, you know? So, um, so yeah, we just, we wound up connecting that day, and then um, we, we started dating, and we just totally fell in love. He was just, you know, he was so different. He was romantic in, a, in not, like, the flower-type romantic way, just like the, you know, just really genuinely loving and caring about every little moment like in real life <laughs> you know like just it was just so so beautiful and he was so different like this was homeboy, 20, 20, 20 years out. ago homeboy pulled up ago. in a van like a kill van I'm like oh my god this dude's got a kill van like a van <laughs> with like wolfers in it like honk, honk, you know like I mean like so not I was like this dude if I didn't know him I would not like go anywhere with this guy he was like you know he was so different like he didn't dress the same as anyone he didn't talk the same he was just such a breath of fresh air and the only reason why I even looked his way is because I knew him I remembered him growing I'm like oh this is just a friend like phew I went through so much craziness we're just gonna like you know whatever and um you know and then he him and I got really really close and um you know he kind of started sharing things with me that he went through and we realized you know that we're just both just broken people that had things happen to us that we were out of our control none of it was our fault you know we were like we were just sitting there like you know and and the the, the best way that I can describe him and you know, when I'm probably gonna cry when I say it because when you hear his story it's just it's just who he is but when I first what made me fall in love with him is that he was so innocent, like just a pure, like innocent heart, you know, he just, and I would um, see him like play, I would go here and play music. And at the time, a lot of people were going to the clubs in the nineties, like no one was listening to music. I think bag of donuts were around and that was it, you know, like nobody was like listening to live music. It just wasn't a thing and everybody was all clubbing. So I would go to these places that he played at, and his, he's a drummer. Like, who pays attention to a drummer, you know? And he just played. He played, in my mind, that's me thinking. In my mind, um, that's where I was. But when he played, it was like, because I'm a vocalist, and I would, like, you know, think of, like, Aretha Franklin or someone that just amazed me with their vocals. Well, when he played his drums, 
it's like the whole band stopped in my ears, but I heard him play and I felt like all of his emotion and it was just, it, I had never experienced any person like him, any talent like him, anybody that was that free. He was so just, um, I don't know, just pure in every way, pure in talent, pure in heart, you know. Um, when he met someone, he would just have time for them. He would look at you in your eyes and, you know, just, re just I don't know, it was just, it was just really magical. Like, I just can't even put it into words, but and such a godson. I just love you so much. <laughs> He's so awesome. But so, yeah, so, 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 um, he was kind of touring, um, on and off and he was like on the road. He's been everywhere. like to Paris. He's like this big, amazing guy, right? All this awesomeness. He's so great. He's beautiful and everything's wonderful. <laughs> well, when he's on tour, you know, I'm just like, I'm still dealing with all the stuff from my childhood, you know, and all the things that was done to me, but then all the things that I did like an idiot, you know, and I'm like, I'm just like, what is going on? You know, but I, I, I knew in my heart that God had opened a door of hope, like totally opened it up. It was open. And it was like, yeah, but I got all this. And how do I go to the next step? Like, what's, you know, what's going to happen? Well, I'm going to tell you the truth. When you said, you know, um, not by might, not by power, but by his spirit, no one invited me to church. No one was like, you need to go to church, girl. You need Jesus. Like, none of that happened. Like, I, the internet was, like, not even a thing. Like, I'm rolling in my car. My little, I don't even know what I had, a little escort or something. You know, I'm rolling in my car. I'm on airline highway. And I was just feeling heavy, you know, really, really heavy. I was in the car with my son, Tori. And Celebration Church, I think, had just opened. And I didn't even know anything. I don't even think I knew it was a church. Like, I don't know how this is God, totally God. So I'm just in my car. I don't even know what day it is. I know it has been Sunday, but I mean, I just like, I didn't know to go to church on Sunday. That's how like messed up I was. My car went to church. No lie. I went in the service. I don't even know what the service was about. I don't even, everything is a blur. The only thing that I remember is going up when they, when they were asking for prayer and it was like, God totally just met me where I was, you know, just like, just met me where I was. And I just like, you know, just, just like, you know, God says, you know, just lay it all at the foot of the cross, you know, and I didn't know church talk. I don't know. I still don't know church talk, right? You know, but I just didn't know. It really was God, you know, it really was him, you know? And so there I was, I was there and, you know, I don't, um, so, so that was just so moving and so amazing. And then I started sharing with Tony, you know, that, you know, about God and everything. And he was just such an open hearted, this thing about this guy, I could, like during the years of our relationship, anything that I tell him, like, I want to be a potter. I can't pop. I don't need to be no potter. Baby, that's awesome. That is amazing. Like I can tell him, I, it doesn't, I can tell him I want to drive cranes. You can do that. That's girl. That's awesome. Like, he's that guy. He's awesome. Sounds like we made money. Yeah. He's just, I, you know, he's just amazing. He's so supportive. Um, so yeah, so, so that happened. Um, um, and so that started our, our journey of hope, you know, and then faith started to rise. And then finally, 
we really began to live, you know, and when, when God says in his word, you know, that he's the, the, the truth, the life, and the way, you know, it's like a real tangible thing because I was, I almost like was born in like this like bubble of death. It was just every door led to like oppression, depression, abuse, addiction, just like it was just bizarre. And I knew growing up when I was a kid that something was really wrong but just to try to imagine, like, being born into that and not knowing anything different. At the hands of your mother or your father, having something like that happen to you, and you don't know any different until you get out into the world and you go to other people's houses and you're like, yeah, but when I leave, something bad's probably happening here too, you know? But life isn't really like that. Um, so, so, yeah, so, so um, after we... Um, we kind of, you know, started going to church and everything. Um, so then, like, this whole door of creativity just opened, you know. And when I was younger, I kind of would sing um, here and there. And I always felt something in my spirit. Like, I, I just felt like, gosh, I would love to do this. This feels so amazing, you know. But there was so much chaos that it was literally two occasions that I felt that when I was living at home it, with all the different environments that I was in. So when I gave my life to God and just started looking his way, I literally just glanced his way and he came into my life. And then I was just in a room one day and I was singing and then I started writing poetry and I started doing all this stuff. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like amazing. It's like, it's so great. You know, and it was like, I just was, I felt like I found gold. You know, I felt like I was like, I just couldn't believe that this existed, you know, and so that kind of started my journey there um, with music and, of course, with him. Um, and then, uh, you know, um, I, I, I became a self-help junkie as the years went by. I, every book, every self-help book there was, I read it. Every religion that was like a religion of peace Buddhism, I'm like, oh my gosh, I love Buddhism. Like, that's amazing. Like, I literally, and let me just preface this, went to Celebration Church for a while, left that church, and moved to the North Shore and started going to a Catholic church for a while, okay? So, so I'm sitting there in my life, and I'm like zooming through my life, and I'm like reading all these self-help books, and my picture, because church was kind of strange to me, even though like some cool things happened there. I didn't, I never read the Bible. So I was like, this is totally like hokey. Like I'm like street, like I can't, you know, I'm too like, I don't know. I can't, I'm too like rough for this place. Like these people talk amazing. They, you know, everything's like amazing here, you know? So, um, so, so in my mind, I was always praying after God met me in that church, like I prayed every day. We prayed together. We always, Jesus was like my boy, even though like I didn't read the Bible, like that's whose name I said my prayers in. But I was also reading self-help books like crazy. And I was also studying Buddhism and I was also meditating. And, you know, I was reading all these different things because in my mind, everything that I had gone through was crazy. Um, some of the religious places that I went to, to me were crazy. And they were, some of them were like a little wacky. You know, I was like, this ain't, it's not right here. My little not right alarm, I know it very well, and something is not right here. So I'd be like, I was just like, no, you know? So in my mind, you know that chick that you see the picture of where she's like in nature and her, she's like in the meditation pose, right? And like, every, like she's like zen. Well, that was my goal, you know? 
I wanted that. Like I was like, I, and so I started meditating and all these different things. But, um, so that was like my goal in life. I wanted to like be at peace and one and, you know, oneness. And I was always seeking God. I was always seeking to like be the best person that I could. And, you know, um, just anything that I could do as, as best as I could, no matter what it is, if it was cooking or cleaning my house or my kids or whatever I was doing, I wanted it to be the best, you know, and I wanted to work on myself because I wanted to, not erase, but I wanted to fix the things that weren't right. Well, so that brings me to, um, I think God honored that, you know, God really looked at that and he was like, man, you've been through a lot, you know, and he always knew my heart. My heart always was seeking him. My heart always was in the right place, you know? Um, but one day I was, um, and, and so, and, and with this time, Groovy Seven was born and he'll tell you a little bit about that, but we got really, really popular really quickly. And, and, um, you know, just all this crazy success opening up for all these different artists. It was just amazing what God, and I, I know that it was God because there were so many other bands that didn't have, um, that had more talent I felt like than, than us or whatever it was, but I just accredited all to God. Um, we always prayed um, before all of our performances and always prayed about the band um, and we got very blessed well we got really busy and of course I'm not in my bible you know um, but I'm doing all that I know to do well all that I had been through and because of the success that, that it was going so quickly I had terrible anxiety terrible anxiety and terrible fear and I didn't know how to, the meditation wasn't helping. Nothing was helping. You know, one day I was meditating. This was three years ago. I was in my house and I was meditating. I'm like, oh, this is amazing. Like, I'm just meditating. Like, I'm talking, you know, I prayed to Jesus before I met. I was like, whatever. Like, I'm like, you know, I just love spirituality, you know? So when she says um, meditating, I'm talking about 20 minutes. Twice, twice a, day. a day, twice a day. It was a very disciplined meditation. Not just meditate yeah. for a second. No, no, no. This is this is this is a a, a a it was a very disciplined thing. Like I was like down. Like I'm like no, you. I'm gonna I'm gonna impress you, God. Like I'm gonna do some things, you know. So or or whatever it was, you know, the spiritual whatever. So I'm meditating one day, and I love God. I go to church every Sunday. My kids are in youth groups. Like I'm like, but I'm meditating, right? So I'm meditating, and I'm like, oh, this is amazing, and I'm like, oh, this is wonderful, and um. And in the middle, or at the end of the meditation, I was like, this is going to be so, like, a little crazy. But I was like, oh, you know, like, <laughs> like that. And I was like, wait a minute. Hold up. Like, what am I bowing down to? And who am I bowing down to? You know what I mean? And I remember, immediately I got, a, a remembrance came to me, to my mind. I don't know if that's even a word. But I remembered when I, when God met me a couple of other times in my life. And it didn't feel the same. I was like, wait a minute, that doesn't, that's not the same feeling. What is this? Like, this isn't, this isn't right, you know? And, um, and I said a prayer and I started to get really, really nervous and really scared. And I was like, God, like, this doesn't feel right. What is going on? Like, what is wrong? Something's wrong. And Tony had been given a Bible, like, uh, right, right before we got married and neither one of us really read it. <laughs> but anyway, but I'm like, Bible, that's crazy. That's not even... You know, I like so, it a lot because so, I had my name inside. Yeah, so I go pick up the Bible, and I'm like, I could feel in my spirit because I have the Holy Spirit in me, but I didn't realize I didn't realize anything, you know. And it really is a journey. That's the point of this whole thing, you know. Um, so I was begging God for a word. I'm like, God, you have got this. Feels weird. Like I feel like, oh my God, what have I done? Like I feel like I stepped over the other side or something. Like something isn't right, you know. 
let me tell you what happened. I opened up that Bible, and the first thing I saw was meditate on God's word day and night. I was like, I'm done. I am done. And I said, I and, told you so. Because I didn't so, like the meditation thing, but so, once again, I was going to support it. Oh, but he saw the anxiety and stuff, so he was like, yeah. But but so soon after that, you know, I prayed, and, and I, I, you know, just really had a long talk with God, and and I prayed, you know, for God to send someone in my life that could help me and like a mentor. And because by this time I'm doing all these self-help book things and they're like, get a mentor, get a coach, get a life coach, blah, 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 go to the seminar. And I'm like, yeah, you know, so I'm like, God, can you do that for me? Like with, with you? And he did, like, he just dropped this little awesome little lady in my life. And, you know, we did Bible studies for like the next year and a half. And when I tell you, it changed my life. And at first, I was so upset with myself for that entire year and a half. I beat myself up so much because of what I did. But then it's like now, just now, like literally like this past month, I feel like I was like, that's a part of your journey, girl. Like, I let that happen. Like, I knew where your heart was. Like, this is just, this is what this, it's a journey. You don't, it's not like the internet where you can get everything at one time. You can't even handle it all at once. You cannot handle it all at once, you know? So, so... So I just, you know, st- started doing that, and let me just bring you back to the fear and the anxiety, right? Like, if you're, like, tortured as a kid, you're probably going to have some fear and anxiety, right? So what? So your, your options in life are meditation, because they say you can do these meditations, and it helps with ADHD and all these things, and all these whatever, and of course, that's what I thought was amazing to do, or you can take Xanax or something, right? Which I didn't want to do. So I'm in the Word, God's Word, the Bible, you know? And I had been sitting with this awesome lady and she was like telling me, you know, about spiritual warfare and of course all that stuff that you learn, you know. Um, And she was telling me about the word is real and it has power and it's like, it's real, you know. And I was like, okay, well, I'm not going back to what I was doing before. So she's like, you know, whatever. So, um, So fear and anxiety. I absolutely 110% got healed and delivered from fear and anxiety. Like, Literally, I was in my house and um, I didn't even know that it was a problem. I was in my house one day by myself and I felt, literally felt like there was a presence in my house. And this is after like I prayed over my house, blood of love to Jesus over my house, anointed it, like gave my life back to God. Like I'm just going to serve you. I'm not going to look anywhere else because it's all about you. And I get that now. And it's me and you. So what is this presence? that? And it was a real presence, a true presence. And it made me scared. And my house is full of windows. It's bright. It's like, it's like a rainbow is like in there. It's amazing, you know. So I'm in my house by myself. It's 12 noon in the day. It's sunny. And I felt this presence. And I was, I was so scared. It's a presence that I've been feeling since I was a little girl. And it was so real. And... I was gonna go outside because I was so scared, just like I used to get when I was a kid, and I've struggled with it my whole life. And I was gonna go outside, and something told me, and I know it was the Holy Spirit now, I didn't know it at the time, but something said, you can do something about this right now. You need to grab those scriptures, and you need to say them right now. And I just started saying all these scriptures over myself, all by myself, and literally it just left. It just left. Like, it just left. And when that happened, I was like, whoa, this is real. Like, not, like, real, real, real. Realer than anything, you know? Um, 
So, so yeah, so God, you know, literally delivered me, healed me from all that fear. And, and then soon after that, all the anxiety, I would have performance anxiety all the time. I would throw up, I would gag, like I was constantly, I had, since I was a kid, you know, delivered me from that. I don't have anxiety anymore. You could, you would, you, you even know. I had terrible anxiety. There was no doctor. There was no nothing. God literally came in and, and just healed me of that. So, yeah. So. Amen. <laughs> I learned a lot. A lot of stuff I didn't even He's know. Heard this no, I love it. We're gonna. I got this. Uh, oh, I love it. Oh, I love it. <laughs> All right, y'all. So I got this entitled uh, "Sick and Tired of Being Sick and Tired," and I'm I'm sure some of you can relate to that. But I'm gonna give you my story real quick. I'm not gonna take a lot of your time. Uh, so I'm the youngest of six kids. I'm 42 years old. Um, <clears throat> my dad worked seven days a week growing up. Uh, he was a hard worker. He's a man's man. He painted cars, painted trucks. He he had to work. He had six kids. He had no choice. So uh, he passed in 2011 of lung cancer. I love my dad. He's, he's a good man. You know, uh, I didn't wish I would have spent more time with him. Uh, my mom didn't work uh, a day in her life. She suffered from depression. She suffered from depression uh, right after I was born. And uh, my sister had to drop out of school to raise me. I was the youngest, so I needed the most attention. Uh, I know she did a good job, did the best she could. You know, all, and all the brothers pitched in. There was five boys and one girl, so, yeah, so my sister is a, is a tough chick. Uh, <laughs> so, and, and my mother suffering from depression, uh, still to this day, I, I guess I'll never truly understand what that means, you know, because when I was born, my mom... I think I was told that she spent probably a year or so in the bedroom, you know, just, you know, on a lot of medication, and uh, she, she was admitted to a hospital, you know, she was on a, you know, on a psychiatric ward and things like that. She is real deep, you know. Uh, still have my mom today, thank goodness. Uh, she's she's my biggest fan. Um, so so we're gonna get so you know we didn't go to church uh, together. We didn't eat together. We didn't do outings as a family together. We just, you know, mom stayed home, dad worked, you know, and we kind of, uh, kind of did our own thing. Uh, on Sundays, you know, at, at 10 and 13 years old, I was told to go to church. Uh, I did go to church. I rode my bike to church and rode around the church parking lot until church was over. That's, I went to church. Uh, Rode around, you know. That's, that's, that's my extent of going Not to church. <laughs> uh, you know, when I was growing up, the thing that didn't uh, take place in the home was a lot of love and a lot of affection. You know, for whatever that is. You know, it, it it's an old school family. Uh, my grandma's the only one that really gave us hugs and kisses, and and you know, and that was my mom's mom, and she's just. You know, I miss my grandmother to death. Uh, she, she was just amazing. Uh, in fact, I never hugged my mom and dad until I was about 15 years old. You know, I remember that day. I still I have a picture of it, actually. Um, so what happens to you when you don't get love and affection from your parents? You look for it. You look for it or just accept it in other ways. Uh, 
getting molested shouldn't be one of those ways, but unfortunately, uh, it happened to me for a long time at a young age. Um, thank goodness, uh, in 1998 and 99, when I was dating W, she helped, uh, <laughs> I don't know how we got to talking about it, but she was the first person to have a toll about that, and she blew up. And I was like, what did I do now? No, she blew up because of the people that did it, and thank goodness, uh, she made me confront those people. So that was the first time I ever really, you know, told anybody that kind of stuff. Uh, by the time I was a teenager, I had plenty, I had plenty of reasons to be angry. Uh, failing school in the fifth grade, having to repeat fifth grade. Failed in the seventh grade, having to repeat it. Uh, oh, and I went to summer school for it and failed it. <laughs> How about that? Uh, then dropping out of school in the ninth grade. Smoking weed, drinking, being extremely promiscuous, uh, hating my parents, hating the world, hating myself. And getting molested by not one but two people in my neighborhood. <clears throat> I was definitely sick and tired. I think you could all agree on why someone would be so angry. Um, so now I'm going to backtrack a good bit. When I was really young, about seven or eight years old, before all the really bad junk happened. Uh, my godmother, Debbie, and her husband, Philip Berg, uh, Debbie's right here, uh, they were from Chalmette, and they were really, really weird. <laughs> now I'm going to tell you why they were weird because as a kid at the dinner table they used to bow their heads and put their hands together and pray over their food that was weird I never seen that done and I you know that it's just it's something that came out of that at night they would pray before they went to bed and on Sunday mornings we went to church uh that was some good seeds planted. Thank you, Debbie. That's, that's really amazing what you did for me. And, I, and I, you know, I tell you all the time, but it changed my life. Um, I'll touch on more uh, of those seeds that were planted in a second. Uh, in 1987, at 12 years old, God gave me a drum set. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and with that, drums helped me uh, after all the terrible days of school. I used to get in a lot of trouble in school, like constantly, every day. My mom went to school for me, and uh, they, you know, I was in like special ed classes, and they told my mom, look, don't punish him, don't scold him, let him play his drums. So, you know, that's, that's what I did. Um, uh, you know, uh, other, uh, God gave me the drum set, and with that, the drums helped me after terrible days of school, and all the other things that I spoke of earlier. Uh, God definitely gave me some talent to be pretty good at a very young age. Uh, drumming gave me a confidence. It was my therapy through the tough times. At 17, I started playing professionally. In 1998, 1999, I toured with a great blues band. This young Metairie boy who never left Metairie uh, toured from Vancouver, Canada to Montreal to Hong Kong, Bordeaux, France, in pretty much every state in the United States. Uh, still not walking with the Lord though. 
but I was extremely blessed to be able to do that kind of thing. Uh, at 20 years old, an ex-girlfriend of mine uh, had a really close relationship with the Lord. One day she asked me if I ever prayed to God. My response was no. I really don't know how to do that. So uh, on a sheet of paper, she wrote out a prayer to say, uh, to, she wrote out a prayer to say. I remember the first couple of times reciting the prayer, uh, being overcome with emotion. Maybe not, you know, feeling worthy to pray, to pray to God. And to, I just didn't know how to talk to him, is really, is to be honest. Uh, but it got easier over time. Uh, that was another seed planted. In fact, that was on... You know, and I, was, I always wondered, when did I get saved? When did I give my life to Christ? I never really knew. I never had a date. I never had a time. I, had, I never had anything to link it to. But it, Sunday, April the 6th, 1997, I don't know how I did this, but I actually found, uh, <clears throat> I found that prayer. Look at that paper, man. It's, it's uh, yellow. <laughs> he loves old stuff too that's so cool <laughs> so I, f I looked in my shed today for about two hours and I tore it to shreds and I found a paper and I never really knew what it said till today it's, uh, it says uh, so Sunday April the 6th uh, 1997 dear God thought I'd come to you to let you know that I love you <clears throat> about as hard as it was back then <laughs> And I know your son Jesus died for my sins and that my sins are forgiven. I know that if I fall away that all I have to do is ask for forgiveness and my sins will be forgiven. <clears throat> I know that the Holy Spirit now lives in me forever. <laughs> Thank you for forgiving me, the sinner. Uh, it is this in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. <laughs> so my ex-girlfriend, uh, <laughs> might be the ex-girlfriend, but boy, am I so grateful that she did that for me. I invited her today. I never heard back from her, but uh, it's, uh, she's a good girl, and she's, she loves the Lord, man, and, and she's just amazing. So that's, that's a really good thing there. Uh, now, uh, now it gets real. Uh, 1997 at Celebration Church, like she just mentioned, in their coffee shop worship night. 99. Uh, nine, in 99. Uh, well, actually, before that, we were uh, on the way there. We were driving in the car on Airline Highway. We had a big fight. We were arguing. We were arguing. We to go. And we were fighting because she wanted me to go to this church, and I really didn't want. I didn't want to have none of that. You know, I wanted to go do whatever I, I wanted to do that day. Uh, so of course I gave in. And, and went to that worship night, and I truly felt the presence of God. Uh, we were holding hands, we were standing in a circle, and we were praying, and I'm gonna tell you right now, my feet felt like they were off the floor. In fact, I think, I still to this day believe that they were. <laughs> and I felt the Lord's presence like never before. And if it was God, I surely don't know what it was because I never felt anything like that in my entire life, but I was sold out for the Lord right there. This is it. This is real. I want more of that. You know, uh, I was changed forever. I believe that later that evening I told Delilah, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I finally saw the light. The floodgates opened. 
I started experiencing the joy of the Lord. <sighs> yep. So I got here. Watch how God starts moving in my life. God tested me in 2006. I was in a band that was extremely popular. And I was making more money than I ever made in my entire life playing music. And uh, this band, you know, you get paid, a, I was getting paid a lot of money to play music, and it was amazing. But the things that they were doing, they were degrading women, they were drinking, it was bad, it was nuts, it was crazy. And I knew it, I knew I was in the wrong place because I started getting convicted. I started feeling God talk to me. I started feeling God convicting me of what I said, how I talked, how I walked, things that I did. It's like, why do I always get this feeling in the pit of my stomach when I do wrong now? It's driving me crazy. (laughs) It's God telling me, calling me out, you know, and I never felt that before. I used to say and do whatever I wanted at any time. And no matter how dirty, no matter how bad, no matter what I looked at, no matter how I sinned, it didn't matter. But after giving my life to the Lord and after feeling and accepting him in my heart, I started living different. I started feeling different. So I told this guy, I said, man, you got to start being right on stage. You have to start respecting women. You have to, I'd like for you to watch what you say. You know, he said, well, you need to learn how to leave work at work and leave home at home and separate that too. You know, and I said, you know, my family's with me at all time. My wife is with me. My kid is with me. They're in my heart. They're everywhere I go. They're on the stage. And and I don't do that separation thing. I, I, I want to live life as though my son is right here at all times, you know, because my father is watching me, my godly father. And he said, you can't leave this. I said, yes, I can leave this. He said, you can't leave the most money you ever made. I said, I quit. So before, but right before I said I quit, I told I sat my wife down and my two kids. They were very young at the time. I said, Dad's going to make a stand for Jesus. He's going to take a stand as a man. And I'm going to leave the most money I ever made in my entire life because I'm going to do the right thing. And God's going to take care of us. He's going to honor this. Then I quit. And then I probably asked myself, are you crazy? <laughs> so, all right, so I had no job. And, uh, but I was teaching drums. I was teaching drums out of my house. And, and lo and behold, one day, the student I was teaching, his father was in a room with me. And he said, man, would you like to play at a church? I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, I'm a pastor of a Methodist church. You were a pastor? I'm trying to think if I said anything throughout these lessons. I'm like, going back, did I say a little cuss word? I I don't know. But uh, I wasn't extremely, you know, holy rolling back then. Holy rolling! But... uh, <laughs> you still got holy roller. No, I still got work to do, y'all. I'm still a work it's in a, progress. It's, it's a journey. But, uh, but God's talking to me every minute, man. And uh, so, so He said, "Do you want to play at our church? It's a paying position." I said, "I would love that. I don't have a job, really." So, I told him my story. I told him what I did. I told him I took took a stand for God and for my family. And uh, at the end of that service, He said, "Tony, come in my office." You know. Uh, I already did a couple rehearsals with him, and I and I played the first service. He he uh, called me in that office, and uh, he handed me an envelope. And I'm like, man, what's this? He goes, let's just open it when you get home. <laughs> Remember, I didn't really have a job, so I open it when I get home, and it's a stack of checks. They took a collection up from my family, <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> 
Come on, Jesus. Come on, you know, come, come on, Jesus. man. Uh, and, and I'm looking at this, and I'm, we're crying. She's crying. Um, the kids are like, you know, are we that poor? <laughs> we are that poor. <laughs> yeah. Just let you know. Mommy and dad are musicians. We're supposed to be broke. So, uh, so you know, uh, they blessed us with that money, and I'll never forget that. I, I never thought I'd ever be in that kind of position uh, to where I would need something like that. But it, it just really, uh, once again, strengthened our faith. And God and uh, really showed me a, a lot of godly people, you know, and, and how they can be there for you. Uh, and I'm going to get to that. Uh, uh, so, you know, my story about praying, turning off everything, you know, in between that time. That. Yeah, I'm going to tell them that. So in between that time, you know, I eventually I got with another band that I was in pre, a long time ago. And it was just a weird transition, you know. It was just a, like a just, just a dead end going on, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I never really had too many conversations with conversations with God. I never really asked Him anything, but I did ask Him. I said, God, what do I do in my life right now? I was on the causeway heading from Metairie back to the North Shore, and I said, God, what do I do in my life right now? Where do I go? What do I do? Because I don't know what to do, and I never really asked Him that. And I heard Him say, "Turn it off." turn it off and I didn't know what he meant by that turn it off what are you telling me turn it off I realized that every time I got in my car first thing I do even if I move my car from the driveway to the street or if I left my house and went two blocks down first thing I do is turn my radio on first thing I do when I got in my house I turn the TV on first thing I do my, my life was just noise it was all the time noise and I never really turned enough off to hear God speak to me and I told I sat the family down. I, I guess this isn't something I did on a weekly basis. <laughs> Probably only two times I said, yeah. look here, you got to know. I, I sat the family and I said, here's what God told me. God said, I need to turn, we need to turn everything off, man. We need to turn off the TV. We need to turn off the radio. And God's got something to tell me. I just don't know what it is yet. And uh, two weeks later, he, <laughs> two weeks later, he told me, you're going to put together a band and your wife is going to sing it. Uh, might I add, we never played music together, really, because it never worked. It was like oil and water, because she couldn't take criticism or compliments or anything from me, and I couldn't really hear a lot from her. So we just never, it, we tried it once for like uh, one night or something. It just never worked. So God said, you're going to put together a band. Dalil is going to manage, manage it and book it, and it's going to be the most successful band in the city of New Orleans. Now, why did he tell me that? Did I believe it? I mean, I never thought I would ever put together something because I was always the guy that played music with everybody else because it's easy. You show up, you play, you do a great job, and you, you go home. You leave all your worries with the band leader. Well, he said, this is what you're going to do. So I sat the wheel down and I said, God told me what we're going to do. He told me you're going to manage the band and you're going to book it and I'm gonna handle the, the, the musicians and we're gonna be the most successful band in the city of New Orleans. She's like, okay. <laughs> get, get, get to stepping. So I got on the phone, I called my guitar player that I was playing with for six years. I said, Nick, um, I really want you to play in my band. I want you to know that um, it's gonna be a great band. God told me so. 
He's like, yeah. he's like, I'm, I'm gonna call you back. I'm gonna think about it. You know? <laughs> and I really wanted Nick to play with us. He's been with me the past ten years since I started. So Dalila and I got on our knees and we prayed. Literally. We prayed for God to to put it on Nick's heart uh, to join my band. And Nick called me back later on. I don't know when it was, but he said, you know what, Tony. I believe you, and I know you don't even have one job. Nothing. But, but I'm going to commit to to what you're telling me God's going to do for you. I got a couple other guys that I believed in, and we put our band together, and we booked our first wedding and, and our first gig like within the, a couple of weeks. And uh, today we, we are pretty much the first call band in the city of New Orleans for weddings, conventions, Mardi Gras balls, and, and things of that nature. Um, and I make the most money, most money I've ever made in my life now playing music, ethically, and doing it God's way, and praying before our shows. And I can't say God's way because we do play secular music, and boy, is that a tug of war, let me tell you. But I'm, we're, we're, she's already leaving the band. She's going to be leaving the band soon because God has told her she's got other things, other, other avenues to yeah, go to. Yeah, so, so since I've been in the Word for the past mm-hmm. three years, you know, because I've never really read it before, right? I'm like, what's this? I'm like, good Lord, I can't believe that's like what's happening with you, God, okay? You know, but since me doing that and just going deeper, it's just that journey, you know, and I, you know, um, before I read the Word and before I started get, getting really intimate with God, I mean, we still changed lyrics, we did different things. When I got into the Word, as soon as that thing happened with that whole meditation thing and God opening my eyes up to that, I immediately felt in my spirit, you're not supposed to be in the band anymore. I just felt it. It wasn't like this crazy, like, you need to go on a mission trip to Africa. You know, it wasn't like that. It was just like, I just felt like it was the right thing to do. Um, I felt like that's what God was leading me to do. And then within the past, because that was three years ago, now within the past three years, God's been revealing why. You know, he's been showing me why. He's been, we are the most consider one of the most successful bands, but what does it take to do that is a lot of, of work. You know, we work seven days a week. You have to watch what you eat and what you drink, and you're ne- you can never ha- – you don't have a life, really. It's, there's no life, you know, and which for my kids on the weekends, um, our kids, you know, don't really have a life. They have us at home, and it's cool. They're musicians. We're musicians. But we don't do things like go anywhere on the weekends because – we're working so it's just been a different kind of life and I have the gift of dreams I've always had the gift of dreams I've had prophetic dreams my entire life and um when I started my relationship with God in that intimate way I gave everything to him all my gifts and when I gave him all my gifts he started giving me all these prophetic dreams like amazing prophetic dreams but also showed me things to look out for and a lot of them had to do with my family you know and I can see why now, you know, some people are like, oh, what are you going to do, sing in church? I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to sing in church, but I want to obey what I feel like God's asking me to do right now because within this past, the 10 years hasn't been perfect, you know, there's been many times within the band mm, where things went, that. things, you know, things were wild here and there, you know, and, and there was times of testing and there were things that, you know, it's it just, it's just what happens, you know, um, but um, with that being said, God has revealed, you know, like, it's time for you to step away. The band's at a place that's amazing. You know, I found an amazing girl to take my place, and the band's going to continue to grow as well um, with our faith, you know. Um, so pray for us, y'all. Yeah. Keep us in your prayer that, that yeah. God uh, sends her 
to what she needs to do, you know, and keeps. It might just be her. home. I don't know. I might just be home chilling, like with my boy. I don't know. But, I'm uh, good with whatever. <laughs> but that's that's where we are, and that's how God yeah. has, has been looking out for me. And um, you know, God continuously uh, convicts me, keeps me in check. You know what I like to say to you guys? It's important to have God friends. I learned that from a, from a friend of mine. You know, he's like, you know, you gotta have God friends. You know, because we all have a lot of friends, we have a lot of acquaintance. But do we have God friends? Do we have, do we have that person that calls us and goes, "Man, you prayed today," or "Hey, bro, you going to church Sunday? I hope you going to church Sunday. Did you miss last Sunday?" Like. <laughs> Look, I'll give you my number. Y'all give me your number. Y'all call me and keep me in check. I'll call you. If you, if you need a guy that's going to call you to keep you in check, give me your number. I'll call you. You need that. you got to have somebody that's going to pray for you. Maybe you need somebody to pray with you, and it's your pastor isn't there. Somebody, you got to have a God friend. Keep that in your mind. Uh, they, they help keep you accountable, you know. Um, I always say, you know, and I learned this a long time ago, I love this saying, and, uh, and, and I'm going to be wrapping up. God, please make it easy to be good and hard to be bad. I love that saying, you know. Make it easy to be good and hard to be bad. I love that. You know, and, and Pastor Dennis Watson, I remember hearing him years ago, you know. I'm going to end on this. Being a Christian doesn't make you better than anyone else. Being a Christian doesn't make you uh, make me better than you. It just makes me better off. You know, it's you're better off being a Christian. You're better off walking with the Lord. You're not going to be thinking you're better than somebody else because people kind of think that oh, you're you want them holy rollers. You want them Christians. No, I just want to know that where I go when I die, I want to make sure I go to heaven, and I got to make sure I do the right thing down here on earth while I'm here. That I, that I take care of my people and uh, and be prayerful. You know, let's let's be there for one another, y'all. That's that's how it needs to be. And- and you want all that God wants for you, you know. And had I not gone into the Word like I did and started reading that, I would not know that that's what God wants something else for me. I would have thought, if I stay on the Internet constantly and I'm on Facebook and I'm just like this success machine, then I would have just kept going that route, you know. And everybody would be cheering me on, you know. The world is going to cheer you on sometimes with things that may not be meant for you, you know what I mean. And it's really important to step back and say, okay, that's what it looks like right now, what I can see, but is that really what you want? You know, um, God, is that what you really want from me? Because, um, you know, you can convince yourself of anything that you want with a click of a button. Mm-hmm. If you want to convince yourself of, I need that pink couch, like I got to have it, like, yeah. and everybody's going to tell you, yes, you need to have this, you know, that's the kind of world that we live in. So, um, you know, but, but I feel like the Holy Spirit is also stronger now than ever, you know, because there's, everything's moving so fast. Um, but I think it's just important because whatever God has for you is way better than anything that you could ever have for yourself. And so obedience is a huge, huge thing. The fact that he made that decision to leave that band, he was being obedient to what he felt the Holy Spirit was telling him to do, and God rewarded him, you know. And he's going to keep doing that. It's not like you just get off the train and you just stay in Hawaii for the, for the rest of your life. No, no, no. You're going to get on another train, and you're going to have another destination. It's, it's going to be a constant thing. 
Thanks for listening to the Five Lives podcast. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or at fivelives.org. This has been a production of Five Lives Ministries. Any attempt to sell, distribute, or reproduce this content without the express written permission from Five Lives and its speakers is prohibited by law.